today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Beloved, if I'm walking over here all the time or I cruise over here for a while and, and then I, all of a sudden, bam, the enemy hits and I fall all apart. And I'm wondering, well, gosh, what happened to all the promises of God? Well, the promises of God are yes and amen. But the problem is, is you've got to be walking in obedience. You've got to be in a place where his blessings can pour out upon you. He tells Israel, you can't stand before your enemies until you take away that accursed thing from among you. Often, we are not the only ones affected by our sins. They affect people around us as well. Today, we will learn with Pastor David the story of Achan. His sin prevented Israel from winning what would have been an otherwise easy battle against the small city of Ai. The whole nation was affected because of one man's sin. We will learn that the promises of God are there for us, but sometimes we are our own enemies. As with Israel, our sin can stop us from conquering what the Lord has promised. We must walk in obedience in order to win our battles. Now, here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, The Devastation of Sin. on their heads and Joshua said alas Lord God okay you should have hushed right there Joshua but he didn't he continued on listen to his prayer alas Lord God why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us oh that we would have been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan Are you kidding me, Joshua? (laughs) I mean, what happened to this be strong and be of good courage? What happened to the fact of Joshua as one of the spies? No, the Lord gave us that land. Man, we need to go in and take it. Now, all of a sudden, he got spanked. And now, like a little child, he says, you know, I want to go back home. I want to take my ball. I want to go back home. Man, we should have been content to stay out in the wilderness. But, Joshua, that's not where God was leading you. And you know yourself, Joshua. That's not God's promise. But it's amazing how we will get when the enemy comes and attacks us. We'll take the very things that we know are true, and suddenly, man, I don't know where that went, but now I'm looking at something totally different, and maybe I'd fall into a great little pity party like Joshua did, and, you know, woe is me, you know, I'm totally undone. What am I going to do now? Instead of understanding, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was the promise of God? The promise of God or the direction of God or the call of God in my life with this and that or thus and so. And I've faced a roadblock here. I've I've faced a battle. What am I going to do with that? Am I just going to say, oh, it was so hard. I went home. Or do we say, you know what? I believe that God has called us still on that. And so when it's hard, we press on. 
we seek the face of the Lord. We seek the strength and the direction of the Lord. And we seek Him to give us that ability to be able to press in on what He's called us to press in on. He says, to bring us over here to destroy us? Joshua, you know better than that. You know that that's not the truth. Oh, if we would have just been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Joshua, you're starting to sound like that previous generation that did not make it through the wilderness. Do you understand what a ground you're standing, a shaking ground you're standing on right here, Joshua? You're starting to sound like the murmurers and the complainers and the whiners that did not come across because, again, their lack of faith. Verse 8 goes on. Oh, Lord. What shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us, and they're going to cut off your name from the earth. And then what will you do for your great name? Oh, God, you are in such great trouble. What in the world are you going to do now? Your name and your reputation, God, are going to be tarnished. God, you're in such trouble here. I don't know how you're going to deal with this. Do you see how Joshua, because of a defeat in his life, has suddenly got his thinking into a stinking mode? And stinking thinking will always get you in trouble. Whenever you don't get your thinking correct and moving right, as long as you allow the enemy to pull you into stinking thinking, you're not going to be making the right decision. You're not going to be making the right choices. If you're in a pity party mood, do not make decisions in the midst of that. Please, I beg of you, do not make decisions in your life when you are in that kind of a situation where everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I think I'll go eat worms kind of mentality in your life. Stop. Just stop. Just stop. I love what happens with Joshua. Even though what he says, it sounds so silly. And you wonder, Joshua, don't you feel that God is more than able to take care of himself? Don't you feel that God is more than able to take care of his great name? (laughs) Worst case scenario, Joshua, he's going to wipe you all out and start all over again with a whole other group of people. I mean, he is God after all. Do you realize that no matter how bad you or I have messed things up in the past, our God is still able No matter what mistakes that we've made in the past, our God is still able. He can turn, yes, even our disasters into miracles. He can turn our failures into victories. He can turn our loss into glorious gain. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about when you and I surrender our mess into his hands. Don't try and fix your mess. That Because more often than not, you try to fix your mess without the Lord's directing and leading in it, all you're going to do is just stir up the mess more and more. And you know what happens when you stir a mess up? It just starts to stink more and more. Get back to the Lord. Understand, the Lord is able to take, yes, even that mess. He can move forward in that. He is God and He does not depend upon man. Let me give that to you again. He is God. He does not depend upon you. Okay? He does not depend upon you. 
And so the enemy is going to say, wow, God's never going to be able to do this because you've done that. Well, I may miss out on a blessing. I may have consequences of my sin. But God is still God, and God's going to do what he desires to do. The thing is, is he delights in using man. That's the thing that blows me away. I look at us as people. I mean, again, uh, as one friend says, we're all a bunch of cracked pots, you know, and, and that's the reality. We're, we're cracked, stained, chipped, uh, soiled, and yet that's the very ones that he uses for his glory. He delights in using man. He delights in making himself known to man. And I believe, according to his word, that he delights actually in blessing man. And none of us deserve that blessing. And yet he wants to show the greatness of his love, the greatness of his compassion and his passion toward us by using us for his glory. And therefore, we get a blessing out of the midst of it. He wants to use man. He delights in blessing man. But he does not depend upon man to maintain the glory of his name. Joshua said, oh, Lord, what will you do for your great name? Really? I don't think that's the problem here. What we've got to do is pretty well get over ourselves and over our situations and look unto Jesus. Keep our eyes and our minds focused on Jesus. And as the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Do you think it's hard for you to make decisions in your Christian life? Do you think that there might be attacks coming against you in your Christian life? The writer of Hebrews says, consider Jesus. Consider the attacks that he went through, all that he went through for the glory of God. He says, consider Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to grow weary. You're going to get discouraged in your souls. He says, you and I, we've not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed, striving against sin in our life. And we've forgotten the exhortation that speaks to us as sons and daughters. It says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Every son and daughter. I want to throw that in there. I don't want anybody left out on that. The understanding is, is when we sin, when we blow it, we most likely will have consequences to deal with. Why would that happen in our life? Because God loves us enough. Woe, woe, woe be to the parent who does not discipline their child. They say, oh, I love them. I wouldn't discipline them. No. In love, you discipline. Otherwise, you raise a rebellious, egocentric child that the world circles around them. Because our Father loves us, He disciplines us. And beloved Israel got spanked by the people of Ai because the Lord God determined that they needed to get spanked. And yet He says, man, don't despise that chastening of the Lord, that that correction of the Lord. He does that because He loves you. He let them lose a battle. What could he have done? He could have wiped them all out. He's wiped out other armies in the past. 
He could have done that, but no. He simply, again, brought discipline to them. So look back at what's going on here. Still in Joshua chapter 7, now in verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. And I think that's kind of how he said it. Would you just get up? That's kind of the way I see it. Why do you lay thus on your face? Israel has sinned. And they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they've even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they've also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. If you underline your Bible, I encourage you to underline that doomed to destruction. Why are they doomed to destruction? Because there was a liar and a thief, an unrighteous one in their midst, and He's getting away with his sin. But even worse than that is the next sentence where it says, and neither will I be with you anymore. Wow, that's hardcore right there. Remember, he told Moses, you guys don't want to follow me, that's fine. You go on to the promised land, I'll send an angel before you. The angel will defeat your enemies, and that'll be fine. But I'm not going to go with you, Moses, because otherwise I'm probably going to wipe you guys out. And Moses was wise enough to say, Lord... Unless you go with us, we don't want to go. But God has said, hey, I'll send an angel. And again, we spoke about that not too long ago, about that are we desiring the blessings of God more than the presence of God in our lives? I'm glad that Moses desired the presence of God above the blessings of God. Because, beloved, the blessings of God will get you nothing. Oh, maybe joy and, and whatever for a moment or for a time. But it's the presence of God that actually moves and works within our lives. And here God says, you know what? I'm not going to go with you anymore unless, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. It's interesting. The Lord knew exactly what the problem was. He knew who was responsible for the problem. And he also knew where the stuff was. He says, man, they, they, they hid it among their stuff. And again, it's interesting to note that as much as the Lord knew it was this one man who had transgressed the command, he clearly states, Israel has sinned, they have transgressed. He also tells Joshua and the elders here that they, as the leaders, the leadership of the people, the leadership of the community, needed to take the appropriate actions. The leadership needed to take the steps to clean the mess up. And as the leaders of the people, they were the ones that needed to destroy the accursed thing from among them. So the Lord continued in verse 13. Now get up, sanctify the people, and say to them, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And beloved, that is a declaration for each one of us individually. How in the world can we think that we can stand against the attacks of the enemy if we're not walking in obedience? 
If, if we're continually stepping out of obedience, oh, well, it's no big deal. Oh, well, it's no big deal. And then all of a sudden the enemy comes to us and we wonder, why in the world am I getting so beat up by this thing? Maybe it's because, again, you're not walking in the strength of the Lord. You're not walking in His obedience. So you're not walking in His strength and in His power and in the authority and in the peace that He can bring when we walk in obedience. When we walk in obedience, He adds to us peace. He adds to us strength. He adds to us the ability to stand against the evil one. But, beloved, if I'm walking over here all the time or I cruise over here for a while and, and then I, all of a sudden, bam, the enemy hits and I fall all apart. And I'm wondering, well, gosh, what happened to all the promises of God? Well, the promises of God are yes and amen. But the problem is, is you've got to be walking in obedience. You've got to be in a place where his blessings can pour out upon you. He tells Israel, you can't stand before your enemies until you take away that accursed thing from among you. Verse 14, and in the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to the families. And the families which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the households which the Lord takes shall come man by man. And then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. There's a whole lot right here, but first off, Joshua, you need to tell the people, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting in the morning. Okay, we're going to come. We're going to get this thing out. We're not going any further until we get this straightened out. And you need to understand that the people need to understand that. So tell the people to prepare themselves to come before me tomorrow. It was clear again, the Lord was going to meet them that day. They needed to get their hearts, their minds, their souls ready. Let me ask you, do you think that maybe some of them spent a pretty solid night in prayer? Now, maybe I haven't done the sin of Achan, but maybe, you know, the situation with me and my wife or my thoughts or some other areas, man, they're out of balance and, whoa, there's been sin in the camp and it's coming down to that. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I want to make sure that my heart, that my house is ready when this comes because I don't want the lot to fall on me. I think that probably several of them, many of them, spent the night in prayer, even if they knew that they weren't the ones that did the sin of Achan. I'm sure because they were going to stand before the very judgment of God in the morning. The Lord told them, whatever this thing is, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. And that's huge. And it's also, as I said, it's it's a biblical principle, both Old Testament and New Testament. It's true in the first century church. It's true in the church today. Peter tells us very clearly in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And you see, the problem is, is the church today is playing too much in the world and wanting the blessings of God. The church today has is reaching for all the pleasures of the world and yet wants the security and the peace and the power of God working in their life. And beloved, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work in the church as a whole. It doesn't work in your life and my life individually either. 
You've got to choose this day who you're going to serve. Joshua comes to that at the end of the book. Man, you've got to choose who you're going to serve. If God is truly God, we need to serve him. Do you realize that even with this declaration that God had made, I'm going to bring judgment tomorrow and we're going to go boom, 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 boom until I finally get to that man. Do you realize that with that declaration, God is extending hugely amount of grace, a huge amount of grace? You don't think that God that night would, could come to Achan's tent door and, yo, son, it's over. Boom. You're gone. He could have very, very easily. The judgment is going to happen tomorrow. Achan, you can repent tonight. Who knows, but maybe the Lord might take mercy on your soul, Achan. The judgment's coming tomorrow. You know the sin that you've committed, Achan. Repent of it tonight while there's still time. God's going to be going and he's going to separate from the 12 tribes. Achan, here's your chance. As soon as he picks that tribe of Judah, you go running forward and you say, you know what, hey, hey, whoa, you don't need to pick anymore. I confess I'm the one that did. Here's the stuff. You've got to understand that by this time, the gig's up. You're going to be busted. You might as well fess up to your sin and then literally and truly plead for the mercy of God, Achan. It's going to happen. It's going to go through it. It's going to separate the tribe of Judah. From the tribe of Judah, then God is going to separate by families. And once again, Achan, when they come down to your family, why don't you man up to your own sin? Why don't you go ahead and confess it? Do you really think that you can hide this thing from God? And in our own lives, how many times do we think that, well, I can get away with that? Again, why? Because God hasn't struck me down right now. God hasn't hit me right yet. But again, it's that mercy, it's that grace of God that he extends to us. Why? Because his delight is not in the death of the wicked. His delight is in reconciliation and restoration. His delight is in forgiveness. That's why he sent Christ. His delight is to have that relationship with you and I. And as many as would call upon his name. And so why would we stand and say, I can walk in my sin because he's not nailed me yet. I can continue to walk because his judgment hasn't hit me yet. Achan, when they come down to the level of your family, why don't you go ahead and fess up? Every level of revelation toward Achan's sin, though, he continued to harden his heart. There's sin in the tribe of Israel. Hey, just say it, Achan. Whoa, I I didn't know it was that big of a deal. Man, I've got stuff right here. Let's give this to the Lord. We'll burn this thing. We'll we'll get rid of it. I did it. No, it's in one of the tribes, so we're going to pick through the tribes. Oh, it's the tribe of Judah. Oh, okay, it's me. Fess up then. No, then it goes to the families. Then it goes even from there. It goes now to the households. God's going to call out man by man. The problem is, is by the time he gets down to that point of calling out man by man, there's no more chances at this point. There's no more chances of repenting. Why? Because judgment has come. There is a time that is appointed to man. And that's a judgment that is coming. And the problem is, is the world, you know, man, now, either they don't believe it or they just push it so far out. But you and I as a church... Man, we ought to believe it and we ought to live it. Open our hearts, change. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the book of Joshua next time. Now, we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now, here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting the open word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the book of Joshua. That's next time on The Open Word. Make us more.